talk about my birthday moments that go and
this is truth. And because it is, his plan stands from the beginning of the ages through the end of time as we know it. There are great things that have happened that God has said. There are great things that will happen that God has said. And all that he has said is true because God's word is dependable. We can stand on it and trust it and know that it will. if we follow it, it will take us to the course that God has planned for us and our eternity will be with him. You are my refuge and my shield, Lord. I have put my hope in your word. Abraham was a great man of God. I recommend, if you've never really read the whole story of Abraham, that you go back and start in, a, in about Genesis chapter 12, where Abraham's birth is recorded. And then go on into the succeeding chapters and read everything about Abraham until he finally ends with his death and his transition to the presence of God. Read that about Abraham. It's powerful. And in the great powerful story of Abraham, there is enclosed a message of salvation. The message of salvation that the Lord has preached from the very beginning. That message comes to, 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 to life and into a great powerful light in the time of Abraham. So the lives of, of, of God's people are kind of come together in, in, in the story of Abraham when we come to understand it. God made a promise to Abraham. He called him out of the land of Ur in Chaldea, from there to Haran. And his father died in Haran. Abraham was there with him. And God spoke to Abraham again to leave Haran and to come into Canaan. And when we pick up where we are with, Je with, with Abraham today, he's already now in Canaan. And in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6, there's a passage I hope you'll make a note of right now, that you'll go back and read it after this service sometime today or tomorrow, sometime in the coming week. Pick up your Bible, as I suggested that you read the whole story of Abraham. Particularly, I encourage you to read Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 16, because there you will see a great story of God's revelation of truth to a man that he has called and chosen. It's in, this, it's in these verses where the Lord speaks to Abraham about his promise to him. He says to Abraham, when Abraham is crying out his plea to God, and he says, God, I have no heir. All of this, I've followed you, I've lived for you, I've served you these years. I left Earl, I left uh, Haran, I left, I came to the land you said you promised me, but I don't even have an heir. I have no, no child whatsoever. I don't have an heir. If I were to die, all of my wealth would go to the manservant of my house, not even my flesh and blood. And the Lord appeared to Abraham and spoke to him in a mighty and powerful way. This was one of the times, not the only time, but one of the times... For God said to Abraham, you will have a son. And through that son, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Look up into the heavens and see the stars. And when you see those stars, Abraham, know that your seed will be greater, more prolific than all of the stars of the universe. What a promise to make to him. 
this point, but I'll jump ahead for a moment and tell you later on, God promises him specifically within an appointed time when Isaac, that son of the promise, will be born. But now, when he is, when he is talking to Abraham at this point in Genesis chapter 15, he's fulfilled, we, we, we discover in the New Testament what he's, some of what he's saying to Abraham that isn't recorded in Genesis. If you go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 6, this is what it says in the English Standard Version. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, and back in that day, who could have ever imagined that the Gentiles would be received into the grace of God? Nobody, which would let almost all of us out. Nobody would even imagine that the Gentiles would ever be included. But God comes to reveal to Abraham, this is how this great mystery of abundance, family, and seed growing through the ages will come to pass. God will include the Hebrews, the Gentiles, all the people of the earth are qualified to become sons and daughters of Abraham by the Holy Spirit. If you don't grasp that, I can't, this is a great, powerful doctrine, and I can't cover it in detail in one message. But I will refer you to the book of Galatians. And if you will read the book of Galatians, you will find some great revelation there. And it will reveal to you how you and I are sons and daughters of Abraham by faith. We're as much a Hebrew as anybody who was born and learned to speak Hebrew and became a member of the synagogue and went to a Jewish school and has a Jewish family or wears a black hat and long curls. We're as much of a Jew as any of them are, according to what God says. Because God opened up by His grace His powerful forgiveness and salvation to everyone who will believe. And everyone who believes then becomes that servant and the family of that God that God says He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all who believe. We heard that song. And that's the great great mystery and the great power of this message. All who believe receive the promises of the covenant of Abraham. Now, the Bible goes on to say in that verse, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, God preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. He preached the gospel to him. The details of that are not given in Genesis, but Galatians says he did. So I've always wondered how any man could have the faith once he's got a son of the promise that Abraham went through so much to receive Isaac as his son. And then God later on tells him to go into a mountain and offer him as a sacrifice. And Abraham gets up and does it without hesitation. He doesn't pray about it a week or a month or spend a year agonizing. He just gets up and says, Isaac, let's go. And he goes out to offer him as a sacrifice. I, 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 I doubted that sometimes. I wondered, I couldn't, how could that be? That any, a man, any man could do that, no matter how great his faith is. And here's how. Because God explained it to Abraham in advance. He didn't say it was the Isaac. But he told Abraham, there's a plan of salvation that I put into effect for all the ages. A unique son of God will die for the sins of the world and provide salvation to them when they come to him. He will rise from the dead after being killed. So that's why Abraham 
probably believing that Isaac was that son. I don't know. It doesn't really tell us. But I do know he had great faith in what God had revealed him. And this is how he could have that faith because God preached enough of the gospel to him that he understood it. So he knew that that was going to be a death. He knew there was going to be a resurrection. That's what he says about Isaac. He says to the people who were there at the mountain that he comes to, when they get ready to go up the mountain for the sacrifice, he says to those people, stay here and wait for us and the lad and I will return. He knows he's going up to offer him as a sacrifice, but he says, we'll come back. How could that be? Unless Abraham believed that when he was that sacrifice, that God was going to raise him from the dead. You can go over to read in chapter 11 of Hebrews and find out, again, that's exactly what Abraham believed. That if he offered Isaac as a sacrifice, God would raise him from the dead. Why? Because he knew that much of the gospel. He knew and perceived it and understood it. So he lived in that. And then, after this time in Genesis 15, when God promised him a son, time passed by. Years went on, and he didn't have a son. And finally, his wife Sarah said, Why don't you take my handmaiden, Hagar, and have a child by her, maybe a son? Hopefully that will be God's promise to you. And Abraham willing, you know, Abraham was not a perfect man. There are several times in the Bible he reports that he lied and had consequences to it. It wasn't unusual to have a second wife or concubines in those days, but to try to help God fulfill his promise by going in and having sex with somebody who wasn't his wife, I don't think that was the highest use of it all. But that's what he did. And then they had a son, Ishmael. It's been a problem ever since. And he, prayed, he became a problem in the household. There was friction in the household. Are you surprised that in the household of Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and us, that there was friction in the household when something like that happened? Well, you shouldn't be, because they were just as human as we are. So when that happened, there was friction and contention. Finally, after a period of time, this was after now Isaac was born, they had to send Hagar out away from the camp because Sarah couldn't tolerate the situation anymore. She was the first wife. That's why she couldn't tolerate the situation anymore. So, so now we're at the point where God says to Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. It, it happened after so long a time, so much time passed, that the dimness of the, the dimness of the promise began to overwhelm. It became dim in their mind and in their hearts. And that's why they would try to find another way to fulfill, help God fulfill his plan. Let's, let's do it this way. Maybe God will honor this. Maybe this is the way God wants to do it. It was. And listen, friends. I know this is a far transition, but what God's spoken to you in your life, you don't need to help God make it happen. All you need to do is stay faithful to God, live for Him, trust God, serve Him, believe His Word, act on it, give, do the things that God requires you to do to be an outstanding, solid, dedicated Christian, and the promises God has made to you will come to pass. It will happen because God said it. If God told you, God's going to do it. You've got to be sure God spoke into your heart. And when you know God spoke into your heart for a certainty, you can live by that and stand on that and know 
God be telling me these things, but not much of it's happened, even after the first year that I was in the first assembly. Nothing was happening. Except I was sitting there preaching every Sunday to the same little handful of people. And then God began to move. But I, when I put out a fleece with that truck, I might go tell the whole thing now. And, and, and God answered that fleece, and by answering it, He said to me, this, this is what I asked for in the fleece. If, 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 if you have really spoken to me, these things I believe I've been hearing from you are your words to me. Let this truck be sold, and I gave God a date to sell it. Now, I, I don't tell it much for God. I don't want to leave. I, I don't want to leave people in doing that. Now, I've never done that any other time in my life. It's just one time. I don't practice doing that. I don't, I don't live asking God to show me a fleece, a fleece coming from the story of Gideon. I don't ask God to show me where I'm going by feet. I do it by his word and by his Holy Spirit. But sometimes, sometimes, if you get to the point of desperation, and you've got to know that you heard from God, that the promises are real, that what God's told you is genuine, that it's legitimate, you haven't listened to your flesh, or been misled by a spirit that's not the spirit of God. You want to know that for certain. That's where I came to. I wanted to know. And God showed me that he'd spoken to me, and his words to me were promises that he would fulfill. I can say to you today, as of right now, every promise that God has spoken to me in my life has been fulfilled, except he's going to take me to heaven. Of course, that's a promise. But I mean personal, legitimate promises that develop in my life. Every one of them, except one, he's fulfilled. So if God's done everything else he's said he's going to do, why would I have any doubt whatsoever that he's going to do the last thing he said he's going to do? God's not going to trick me into not doing the last thing by doing all these other things that make me think that he's just, he's really going to do it. He's really going to do what he said. He's just faithful to do it. He's not going to make me believe that. He's not going to trick me. He's not going to trick you. That's not God's business. God means what he says to you. When he tells you something that's true, he means it. He believes it. If God's told you you're going to be healed and you haven't been healed yet, does that mean you ought to stop believing? No, that means you ought to get a really good grip in faith and by grace in the Word of God and hold on. Not only don't let go, but don't even loosen your grip. Hold on until God's answer comes through. Because if God said it, it will come. It will come if God said it. And so now Abraham has come to uh, having heard had the gospel preached to him. Now all these years have passed and they don't have a son. And then one day, me and Sarah are at the door of their tent. And he looks up and he sees three men coming towards him. Without waiting any part about him, he jumps up and says to Sarah, These three men are coming. I see them drawing nearer. Go inside and get a, get, get a meal and, and get flour ready. Make cakes ready for us. And then take one of our young goats and get it ready as quickly as possible. Have it ready for me to serve. And when the three men get there, Abraham knows there's something different about them. And they speak to Abraham, and they're, and they're having a conversation with him. And Abraham says, I welcome you as my guest. We're preparing food to honor you and be ready soon. Will you permit us to serve it to you? Yes, we'd be happy to do that, they said. So, so as soon as possible, we'll sit down and eat together. And then as our conversation goes on, Scripture doesn't say 
Sarah. They, they discussed among themselves, because of the mutual promise of the two of them, they discussed among themselves, will this ever happen? And so now God picks a day. It's not just some any day. It's a day that God's ordained. God has chosen the day. God knew back when he first gave the promise to Abraham that this would be the day that those three angels would come to his tent and speak to him. And they spoke to him that day after conversing about other things. One of the angels, the spokesman for them, said, We have come to say to you that certainly in the time of life, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah heard it in the tent and kind of mocked about it. She couldn't believe it and still didn't believe it. The angel chastised her for it, and she changed her mind. And then the angels left. They went on towards Sodom. They were gone, and all those things that happened with Sodom and Gomorrah, the angels were not damaged at all. They came back. But the angel, before he left, listen to what he said now. He said,
probably a hundred times or more. There's your miracle, baby. There's your miracle, baby. Because they know. They know. Now, that was something the doctor said can't happen. It's something nature said couldn't happen. This is not possible. But somehow, God decided he would let it be possible. He'd make it possible. And God did that. I could tell you again and again and again, maybe things not about baby's birth, about other things that would seem to be impossible that God's done in this church. And when God can do one thing, then he can do anything. If he can do one miracle that seems like a small miracle, he can do any miracle that's beyond the conception of any man. God is able. Is there anything that God cannot do? And we shout, no, there is not. There never has been. There never will be anything that God cannot do. Nothing is too hard for him. The angel asked the question, did we answer it with a resounding answer? Everything is possible with God. Praise God. Praise God. So there's an appointed time for your promise to be fulfilled. I, I, I really believe there's an appointed time that God has said He's going to fulfill the promises that He's made to you. If you know you've heard from God, that's all you really need. Hold on by faith. Now, I'm talking about life-changing things that we are trusting God for. The one more thing that I, I, I will just say this, when God does the one more thing that I'm expecting and believing and know He's going to do, I'll gladly share it and tell it to everybody here. I, I, I started to pray a while back, and I'd say too much right here, I'll get away from my message. So God said, I'll give you a great victory today. And one week later, according to my diary, one week later, I went up in that very same place that he spoke to me the first time. I fell on my knees. And as soon as I fell on my knees, I didn't even begin to pray. As soon as I fell on my knees, God spoke to me again. And he said, I will give you a greater victory than ever. I struggled. You know, I thought what that victory would be. This is our problem. We can't see what God's doing for deciding how, he wants, how we want him to do it. And how you must do it to make it happen. I couldn't see what God was doing. So I prayed and prayed. And I thought, well, this is going to be great manifestations of the Spirit. Somebody's going to be healed or raised from the dead or whatever it's going to be. A greater victory than ever. I, all those things, I just thought, God, I'll be so good to you. It'll be on the front page of the newspaper. I'll say to it that it gets on the front page of play today. Advertising every watch you've done.
God showed me, don't ever get the church confused with the building of the Don't ever. Don't ever. I, I, I was struggling over this. Just like he did to Abraham. 
He didn't stop with Abraham. He made promises to Jacob. To Isaac, made promises to Jacob. And then Jacob in particular, because Jacob was such a scoundrel, he was. They said that's his name. You know, he's a scoundrel. He deceived his father for the inheritance. And he had to run off and leave home before his brother wouldn't kill him. But God met him as he was leaving. And God really reached out and touched him. Our first encounter with God was when he saw the angels going up and down that ladder, climbing Jacob's ladder. And God spoke to him and said, if you will be faithful to me, I'll bless you and prosper you. And, and in that time, Jacob said to God, I will hear your voice and I will obey you. And I will believe you and walk with you and trust you. God said to him, I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. And then Jacob said, God, if you will be with me and help me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, come back to Abraham's house in peace, not in the of my brother, then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And, this is, and then he said, this is what I mentioned in the offering this morning. He said, and of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. The Amplified Version says, as an offering to signify my gratitude and dependence on you. So now, God kept that word to Jacob. He went off and spent 20 years in the household of Laban working and laboring. And then in 20 years he left, he came back a very rich, very wealthy man because God had prospered him. And then he met God again on his way back to his homestead. And there God spoke to him one more time. And that was the time when the angel came and Jacob wrestled with him through the night. And finally, so that he could be released from Jacob's grasp, the angel touched his thigh and threw his thigh out of him so he could get up and walk away. And he left that that as a symbol of his touch and his visitation with Jacob. The angel made it clear, I've implanted the hand of God on you, made a change in your life, and no longer will you be Jacob. But from now on, you will be Israel, and many will come from you and be blessed. And that's exactly what happened. Jacob became Israel. What a transformation. Under the promises of God, the blessings of God, turned down through starting with the promise to Abraham, the promise to Isaac, the promise to Jacob, and God continuing to fulfill and pour out his favor and blessings upon his chosen people. Now, where does that leave us? That leaves us like where we are and have been. If God has spoken, God will do it. Psalm 89, 34. I hope you know it by now. I've said it so many times. I want everybody to have it memorized. There God said, I will not break my covenant. I will not break the covenant I set up with Abraham. I will not break the covenant I set up with Isaac. I will not break the covenant I set up with Jacob. I will not break my covenant. I won't change one word that has gone past my lips. The Lord said. So if he said it to them, he's saying it to us. If he'll keep promises to them, he'll keep promises to us. Because God is not a favor chooser. He doesn't choose people to bless and choose people to destroy. God blesses all who 